All right, let's take our Bibles tonight, turn over to the book of Ephesians chapter number 6. And once you find your place there and you're able to, if you're able to, go ahead and stand. Ephesians chapter number 6, as well as Proverbs chapter number 22. Ephesians chapter number 6, and then Proverbs chapter number 22. I told Pastor, I don't know, it was last night or this morning, the last couple times I've preached, I've only had about three or four pages of notes. And I had before, this, well, this afternoon I had like eight, eight and a half. So I had to weed out a little bit. So I got down to seven and a half. Amen? <laughs> Amen. You know, after Brother Sam preached the other night for an hour and a half, Brother Mike, I thought, man. And no one got upset at Brother Sam. Oh, man. Uh, I do want to preface something tonight as well as every Sunday night in the month of November. Um, This is probably the hardest subject, uh, in my opinion, where I'm at right now in my life as as an adult and as a parent and as a youth pastor to preach and teach. So why do you say that, Brother Andrew? Well, one, because I have a 16-year-old and I have a 5-year-old. And both of them are still in the home. Levi, as much as he may want to be out on his own, he is not. <laughs> so why do you say it like that, Brother Andrew? Because there's no guarantee that Levi or Emily or Lydia or Isabella or Micah will be in church when they're 39 years old. And that's the truth and the reality we're going to look at a little bit tonight. And so I want to kind of preface the series The title of the series is Losing the Kids, and I Don't Know Why. Losing the Kids, and I Don't Know Why. And so tonight we're going to look at part number one. But let's look at our text tonight to springboard us into our series tonight. Ephesians chapter number six, verse number one, very familiar verse. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And all the mom and dad said, amen, that's right. Only problem is, is it's still about two or three weeks before we even look at the kids. Because tonight we're going to look at the parents. Verse 2, the Bible says, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with uh, with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Verse 4, the Bible says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I want to read verse 4 again, and then we're going to turn over to Proverbs chapter 22. The Bible says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, Now notice what the Bible says here, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now hold your place in Ephesians chapter 6 and go over to Proverbs chapter number 22. We're going to start here in Proverbs chapter number 22 and transition to Ephesians chapter number 6 tonight. But in Proverbs chapter number 22, we find a verse that many times is taken out of context, it is applied the wrong way. But for tonight's sake and for the message tonight, we're only going to look at the very first half of it. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 6. Here's what the Bible says. Train up a child in the way he should go. Brother Andrew, are you going to read the second half of that? No. No. Because tonight we need to start out right there, the beginning part of this verse. Train up a child, watch what God says here, in the way he should go. The title of the series is Losing the Kids, and I Don't Know Why. The message title for tonight is this, Where Did It Start to Go Wrong? 
Where did it start to go wrong? Father, we thank you again for the privilege and the opportunity it is to be in your house this Sunday night. Lord, we thank you for the Word of God that even in difficult times, in times of frustration, times of not really knowing what to do, that we can turn to God's Word to find hope, to find strength, to find guidance, to find peace, to find joy, to find confidence in the decisions, choices we have to make. As we begin this series in the month of November on Sunday nights, losing the kids, I don't know why. Lord, help us, even tonight, before we even get into the message, to not put a wall up, to not become defensive, to not become argumentative, to not be lifted up in pride, like how, how dare anybody question my parenting ability? How dare anybody question my children? Lord, the truth is tonight that every person in this room is a sinner. From the oldest to the youngest, from those that are married to those that are single, every parent, every child, every grandparent, everybody in this room tonight is a sinner. Which means this, we're not perfect. and We all need help. Lord, I pray we've come tonight to the evening service on this Sunday night for exactly that. Help from the Word of God. Lord, speak to our heart tonight as only you can. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If you have an opportunity to tonight, maybe you have a scrap piece of paper in your Bible, or maybe a a bulletin or a prayer page, whatever the case might be, I'd like for you to take that piece of paper out if you're a parent, if you're a father or mother. I'm going to ask you a question, I'd like for you to write your answer on that piece of paper. But here's the catch. I don't want anybody to see it. You don't need to show your kids. This is just something between you and the Lord. But if I was to ask you this question, I want to just write down on your response, what is your desire for your children? What is your desire for your children? I believe tonight that we can say this, that every parent, every dad, every mother in this auditorium tonight has a specific desire for their child. They have maybe a dream or maybe an end game, if you would, for their specific child. But write that on out and just slip it back in your Bible. And we'll reference that in a couple of weeks. But if you were to sit down tonight at your computer or at your tablet and you were to do a Google search for this, uh, this search right here, Raising Kids God's Way, you'll be bombarded with books and movies and self-help guides and memes and blog posts and instructional videos on how to raise your kids God's way. And can I say this? I Just in doing the Google search uh, this week and looking at things, man, there is, a, there is a ton of books and tons of even YouTube videos of walking down and breaking everything down. But can I submit to you tonight that if we were just to take the Word of God and apply it to how we raise our children, there'd be no need for all these extra books and all these extra YouTube videos and all these extra blog posts. You see, in a society where the home and the occupants of the home are under constant attack, trying to raise our kids the right way can seem like a difficult task. So let's be honest with ourselves tonight and start off with some simple true-false questions, okay? You say, everybody's kind of like real tense, like, uh-oh, okay? So we're gonna, I'm trying to, trying to make this applicable tonight, but true-false, Okay? True, false. You have perfect children. (laughs) Sorry, Miss Jana. You have perfect children. True, false. Oh, it's false. 
It's false. Kids, don't get mad at mom and dad yet. Don't get mad. Don't hold up. Hold up. Ready? Here's one for you. Here's one for you teenagers. Ready? Ready, Melby? Here you go. Ready? True, false. You have perfect parents. False. Parents, I'm sorry, but you're not perfect. Okay? Hey, I is one, and I know. I'm not perfect. Okay? How about this? Parents, true, false. Your children always obey you. Oh, we're breaking down that barrier right now. Like, oh yeah, this is going to be good. Children always obey you. How about this? Kids, true, false. You always obey and honor your parents. You always obey and honor your parents. Now listen, we kind of misconstrued that, that word honor. You know, we can obey our mom and dad, but yet not honor them. You know, honor, honor speaks about our attitude and our character. No, no, if you tell your son or your daughter, hey, go take out the trash, <sighs> okay, I'll, I guess I'll obey you, I'll do it. Well, yeah, maybe they obeyed you, but did they honor you? Absolutely not. True, false. <laughs> your children always obey and honor you as a parent. True, false. You as a parent have never made a mistake. Would anybody care to stand and give a testimony of their mistake they've made as a parent? Man, it got real quiet in here. But it's true. As a parent, we've made mistakes. True, false. You are a qualified, certified instructor, teacher, counselor when it comes to child rearing. And you know it all. False, 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 false. True, false. You have nothing to learn when it comes to parenting. That's false. The truth is, raising kids is hard. It's hard, hard, hard. See, my objective tonight is not to condemn Christian parents that have not experienced success with their children. But we should learn from our mistakes so the next generation won't repeat them. The Lord knows, listen, the Lord knows tonight our heart and our desire when it comes to raising our kids but in preparing for this series and looking at everything, we've got to ask ourselves this question, why are we losing our kids and yet we don't know it? So in the research, I found a survey that was given to independent fundamental Baptist preachers, youth pastors, and parents with this question, why do you think we are losing our teenagers, excuse me, and young adults at such an alarming rate? I mean, it's a valid question to ask. It's a valid question to ask, and even in today's generation with today's culture, And I want to read you, quote, verbatim, some of the responses. Why do you think we are losing our teenagers and young adults at such an alarming rate? And this wasn't taken from anybody anybody in here in in the auditorium, no no parent uh, or or, or any grandparent here at Riverside Baptist Church. But here's, here's some of the quotes that were given. Inconsistency on the part of a parent will do more to breed rebellion than virtually any other one thing. Conversely, a consistent example will do more to reinforce what we, say than, uh, what we say than just about anything else. Here's another quote. The hearts of our young people have been stolen by the adultery of God's people with the world. Man, I thought that was very powerful. That the heart of our young people have been stolen by the adultery, the adultery, the adultery of God's people with the world. Here's another quote. Over the years, I've heard Christian parents plead, but Junior is a good kid. He's, he's a great kid. Ironically, most parents will say the same thing, even those in the world 
whose kids are in criminal trouble. The question rather is, are they godly? It seems we have raised a generation of young people who are, quote, good kids, but not godly. Godliness will not only preclude the problems of sin in the world, it will develop into our children the qualities that God has intended for his people. Here's another quote. What I find happening is that Hollywood has such a hold in our homes with movies and things of that nature that even though in our church, most homeschool, they have a good religious background, yet there is that undercurrent of worldliness. Here's another quote. I think that a lot of parents have swallowed the lie that they have to be a buddy to their children. But they don't need a buddy. They need a parent. You preach on these things, but sometimes you want to pull your hair out because the parents don't seem to listen. I think this was a youth pastor that wrote this one. Because here's what you want to shout. You've only got one shot. Don't blow it. Don't blow it. Here's another quote. Winning children's hearts is something that needs to be done when they are young by spending time with them, teaching them, and developing interest together with them. Do not put them aside for work or for your hobbies that do not allow them to be around. Do not think that you will be able to win their hearts after you have allowed someone else to win their heart. Here's another quote. Spineless fathers who will not lead their homes and allow their wives to take, and allow their wives to take spiritual leadership are bringing confusion into the hearts of the young people. Man, I appreciate Brother Sam preaching the other night. He talked about the order of the home. Man, it was... And you could have heard a pin drop. But man, it's so true. In society, listen, in society and youth ministry, it's so, so true. There's another quote. We have pushed our teenagers or our young people to serve God, to go to Bible college. Yet in their heart of hearts, they lack a true, real relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's another quote. Carnality, hypocrisy, lack of love, sparing the rod, loving the world, not personally training the child to serve Christ, and lack of careful oversight in teenage years are some of the things that can spoil the vine so that the fruit of the home is bitter rather than sweet and the training of children fails in its godly effect. So in asking ourselves this question tonight, why are we losing our kids and we don't know it? It's really become, kind of boils down to one thing tonight because we're unwilling to recognize the enemy that is at play. And can I just say this tonight? The enemy at play is not the church. The enemy is not the church. The enemy is not the pastor. The enemy is not the youth pastor. The enemy is not a fellow brother or sister in Christ. And can I say like this, parents, the enemy is not even you. The enemy is Satan himself. And sometimes we've forgotten the fact that the battles that we face and the battles that we fight are, listen, are not physical battles. They're spiritual battles. And we're fighting against Satan himself. Because listen, as sure as God tonight has a will and a desire for your life, Satan does as well. So what do you mean, Brother Andrew? God has a design and a desire for each and every one of our lives. But sure as I'm standing here preaching tonight, there is a Satan, there is a devil as a roaring lion walking about, seeking who may devour, who desires nothing more than to ruin your life. And the battle tonight is not, listen, is not with leadership within the church. The battle tonight is not within your spouse and you and you and your spouse going toe-to-toe, uh, -to -toe, if you would, and fist-to-fist, -fist, if you would. Listen, the battle tonight, the enemy tonight is not your children. The enemy tonight is Satan himself. Amen. So why, why raising our kids have we gone away from the spiritual emphasis and the spiritual focus of pleading God, listen, to work in our kids' life? Maybe it's because we as parents lack spirituality. Maybe it's because we as parents... We don't really recognize that Satan's at work in our life. No, no, we want our kids, we want our kids to be right. I'm reading a book right now that Brother Ben Moore recommended to me, Why People Change. And 
by Paul David Tripp, and the author was, re, uh, was writing, in, even in the very first couple of chapters of the book, talked about as a pastor and counseling, how many times that he would counsel with parents who would come in and would complain about their teenage kids and complain about the issues with authority and the issues with their behavior and the sin that was in their life. Yet the pastor was saying this, yet as I sat there, they desired that their kids would be changed for the glory of God, but yet they didn't want to change for the glory of God. The fact tonight is this, we're losing our kids because we're not willing to identify the battle that's before us. The battle's not your pastor. The battle's not your youth pastor. The battle's not your spouse. It's not your kids. Listen, the battle isn't even necessarily society. It's the devil himself. Problem is, is that he's pulled the wool over our eyes, if you would, and we've just kind of just given in to whatever the devil has for us. Listen, we have to ask ourselves this this question. Am I setting a right example? Am I practicing what I preach? Am I living godly before my children? Am I consistent in what I allow within the walls of my home? Will my choices now affect whether or not my children, my child stays in church? Will my child even be in church when they leave the home? Will my child end up as a preaching example illustration? I was thinking about this this afternoon, going back over my notes, and I'm thinking about all the teenagers over the last 20 some years that I've had the opportunity to minister to. And yeah, there's, there's some that are serving God, but man, there's a whole bunch that aren't. There's some that surrender to go to Bible college. Brother Joey went to Bible college or in ministry serving God, praise the Lord. But there's a lot that surrender to go to Bible college that never even stepped foot on the campus because they gave in to what Satan put in front of them. Listen, because mom and dad weren't parenting like they ought to. We've got to ask ourselves tonight, what type of example am I living? We can't live, or live underneath the mentality, it won't happen to me. Listen, while we may not necessarily think it or speak it, we most definitely are living it when we aren't willing to parent our children the way God desires for us to parent our children. Well, you know, Brother Andrew, I made bad decisions as a teenager, and I turned out okay. Said everyone. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands tonight, but if I was to ask you adults here tonight, How many of you made bad decisions as a teenager? Okay, I'll I'll raise my hand. I made some dumb decisions as a teenager. Dumb decisions as a teenager. And bless God, my desire as a parent is that my kids don't make the same dumb decisions. Same dumb decisions. Well, you know, Brother Andrew, man, I turned out okay. You turned out somewhat okay. I mean, it's, it's all good. No, 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 no. That's the wrong mentality to have when it comes to parenting our children. The Bible tells us this in Proverbs chapter number 29, verse number 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. The word reproof there means this. It means chastisement, correction, chastening, reasoning. Listen, losing our kids does not begin in the youth group, nor does it begin in the pews of our churches. It does not begin with the preacher, nor does it begin with worldly acts. Listen, losing our kids tonight begins with us, the parent. That's where it happens. Say, can you prove it, Brother Andrew? Absolutely. Proverbs chapter 22. Let's take a look at the Bible. Proverbs chapter number 22. I'm going to give you three, three, three points. You're taking notes tonight? Three points. Three points. Very simplistic, very straightforward tonight. Proverbs chapter 22. Look at the very first part of this verse. Here's what the Bible says in verse number six. Train up a child in the way he should go. Here's how we lose our kids or the issue with parenting the wrong way. Number one, parents, we've got to know our role we got to know our role. In our text here in verse number 6, the Bible says to train up a child in the way he should go. Our culture has made the biblical role of parents difficult to define. 
We must return to Scripture to understand God's design for the home. God was very clear when he said this in verse number 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Pastor Terry Comer, the founder of For Love of the Family Ministries, makes this statement concerning verse number 6. He says, notice that the first part of Proverbs 22, verse number 6, is a command specifically stated to fathers. This is commanded activity. It makes us responsible. The lie that many Christians have bought into is that it is not their fault if the children turn out wrong. It is a good rationalization of sin and is really hurting the cause of Christ. Listen, the fact tonight is this, that as parents, we have to know our role. We have a specific role that has been appointed by God that is a godly mandate, if you would, a godly responsibility that's been given to a mom and a dad. But more specifically tonight, that role has been established with the father. No, 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 no. The father is the head of the home. The father is the head of the home. The man. He's the one that is the spiritual leader of the home. He's the one that sets the precedence. He's the one that, listen, he's the one that ought to be spiritually the head of the home. He ought to be the leader. He ought to be the one that takes, if you would, the bull by the horns and says, as a family, this is the direction we're headed. No, that, that's, that's what's in here. Look what, he, look what he says, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Let me ask you this. How are you training your children, dads? How are you training your kids? Well, you know, Brother Andrew, I mean, my kid knows how to change a flat tire. Great. My kid knows how to change the oil. Great. My kid knows how to paint. Great. My kid knows how to shoot a deer. Amen, Micah? Amen. Yeah. Great. But that's not the context of what, what the proverb is saying here. Look what he says. Train up a child in the way he should go. No, no, listen, dads, we have such a major responsibility right here to direct our children, to direct the direction that they should go. Listen, not just as a young man, and not just as a five-year-old or as a 16-year-old, but throughout their life. Listen, that is our role, that's our responsibility. But we start losing our kids when we neglect our role. When we are willing to look at our kids as just a tax write-off, just as an inconvenience, just as... Well, I have a kid. I have a responsibility. No, no, no. Listen, that is a God-given responsibility. That is a God-given, can I say it like this? Blessing. Listen, I don't deserve my kids. I don't. I don't deserve the blessing of any of them. But man, I get, Brother Joey, I get the joy and the blessing of being their dad. Now, they might not think it's a joy and a blessing sometimes, but man, I get that privilege, and that's, that's the role that God's given me. And the Bible tells me here in verse number six that I'm to train up a child in the way he should go. The fact is that training up a child in the way he or she should go entails far more than taking kids to church faithfully. It entails far more than including them in all the church activities. Faithfulness to church is very important, but parents can do this and still fail to do the right thing with their kids in many other ways. I grew up in a home... <clears throat> Many of you know my mom and my dad, but I grew up in a home where, for the most part, I grew up going to church just with my mom. My dad was lost. My dad didn't get saved until I was in high school, a couple years before I left home. And so for the most part, I'd go to church, just be me and my, five, my four brothers, my two sisters, and my mom. One point where we lived in Las Vegas, my dad was stationed there 45 minutes to church one way, 45 minutes back home. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Listen, I'm thankful for a mom who was faithful to God. I'm, listen, I'm thankful for a mom who said, regardless, I, I, can, I, can remember, <laughs> I can remember my dad sitting on the couch on Sunday morning, drinking, watching football, and walking out in a shirt and a tie, Bible in hand, Brother Marty, and going to church, and coming back home, my dad, Brother Brent, still there. I can, I, can, I can picture those in my mind. 
Listen, my kids don't, they don't know their papa that way, but I, can, I grew up with that. And I'm thankful, listen, I'm thankful for a mom who is faithful to God. But man, I am so thankful, Brother Mike, the day that my dad got saved. Man, it totally changed our family. Man, you wake up on Sunday morning, like wake up early on Sunday morning, dad's already dressed, ready to go, making breakfast, flipping pancakes, shirt and tie. Man, what, what, a, what a testimony to the saving grace of God. To the saving grace of God. And I'm thankful for a dad who recognized that, listen, even though he had made many mistakes in raising us and many mistakes, listen, when he got saved and he got in the word of God and got in the Bible, he recognized, hey, there's some things that need to change in my life. There's some things that need to take place in my life. Why? Because I have a responsibility from God to train up my children in the way they should go. Now, are his kids perfect? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But man, I'm thankful for a dad who's, who's in church tonight. Even right now as I'm up here, he's in church in Colorado Springs at Lighthouse Baptist Church. Listen, dads, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to know our role. He says in verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Parents, we have the role of authority in our kid's life. Parents, we have the role of authority in our kid's life. You see, God has placed them in the front seat to steer, or sorry, God has placed us as parents in the front seat to steer the home and direct the hearts of our children toward godliness. From the early pages of Scripture, God established the parental role of authority in Exodus chapter 20, verse number 12. So why do so many homes lack the spiritual oversight of godly authority? Why is it that so many homes struggle when it comes to godly authority and the establishment within the home? Is it because kids resist authority? Is it because kids don't want the authority in their life? Is it because kids are just naturally rebellious? In his book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, author Ted Tripp suggests another reason. He says this, quote, The problem today is not that kids don't want to receive authority. It is that parents don't want to take authority. Parents don't abandon the driver's seat of your home. Don't abandon the responsibility, the role that God has given you. Don't abandon the, 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 the mandate, the command that God has given you to raise your children, to train them in the way that they should go. Listen, I'm not talking about being a dictator. I'm not talking about locking them in their room and just giving them bread and water. I'm not talking about that. But bless God, you as a parent, as a father, there's, a, there's an authoritative role that you should be taking place in raising your kids. But then secondly, parents also have the role of providing a godly example. You see, biblically parent, biblical parenting does not run on the do as I say, not as I do motto. So, Friday night. I'm just, I'm just, this is an example. Friday night. Dad, Dad, can we, can we watch a movie? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, we said I have family time, watch a movie. Okay, can we watch that movie you were watching the other day? No, that's probably not a good movie for, for you to watch. Dad, why not? Well, there's some nudity. There's some foul language. There's some inappropriate things that are said. But Dad, you were watching it. You were watching it. No, can, I, can I say this? And I'm not trying to be mean when I say that or say this, but there, that takes place in a lot of independent Baptist churches. Let us sink in for a second. Because here's the deal. As parents... We have, sometimes we have this mindset of like, I'm above you because I'm your parent, I'm the adult, and because you're the child, you shouldn't partake in this, but it's okay for me to partake in it. And, and I, I'm not going to ask a teenager to stand up and give testimony, but I would dare say tonight that if that has taken place in your home, your teenager would stand up and say, yeah, there's some confusion in my home. 
You know why? Because why? Look up here. They're hearing one thing from here, this pulpit, but they're seeing a completely different thing in your home. And if there's one thing I've learned in youth ministry is that teenagers are really smart. Very smart. And they can read you and I like a book. And when you and I preach one thing, but do another thing, they flag it. Your role as a parent is not to have the mindset of, hey, I can do what I want to do because I'm the parent. I'm the one that pays the bills. I'm the one that puts the clothes on your back. I'm the one that puts the food on the table. No, 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 no. Our role is to what? Train up our children in the way they should go. And if I'm training my children by watching filth or by listening to junk that I shouldn't be listening to, what am I telling my kids? Hey, listen, one day when you're my age, you can do what you want to do. And yet we want, listen, we want our kids to come into the house of God. And we want our kids to go to youth camp. And we want our kids to go to youth con and youth rallies and go to special meetings. And we want God to work in their heart and work in their life. Years ago, I had a young lady, a young teenage girl. She came to my, Crystal and myself. It wasn't here. It was our church in Colorado. She, I remember her saying this. She said, Brother Andrew, can I talk to you? I said, sure. Her dad, her dad was a deacon in our church, Colorado. She said, Brother Andrew, I've been, really, I've been struggling with my music. Okay. I'm not going to mention her name. I said, okay, well, you know what, too? She goes, yeah, but here's the problem. Every time I get rid of my music, about a month or two later, my mom or dad go back out and buy the same music for me again. Listen, moms and dads, we have a specific role to train up our children. Not how we want. Listen, it's not about us. Look what, look what the text says. Look at verse number six. Look at it. Here's what the Bible says. Train up a child in the way he should go. Well, Brother Andrew, what way is that? It ain't your way. Listen, it's right here. You want to know how to raise your kids? Get in the Bible. Oh, that's too hard, Brother Andrew. That's what I start. Parenting is hard. It's difficult. It, it's, it's some late nights. It's some early mornings. It's some frustration. Listen, it's some tears. It's some disappointments. Listen, parents have their role of authority in their kid's life, but they also, secondly, they have the role of providing a godly example. Author Austin Sorensen wisely said this. love this quote. He said, A child is not likely to find a father in God unless he finds something of God in his father. I'm going to say it again in case you want to write that down. A child is not likely to find a father in God unless he finds something of God in his father. So let me ask you, fathers, tonight, can your kids look at your life and see godliness? Oh, man. Can your kids look at your life and see godliness? Can your kids pinpoint in your life where God is number one? Can your kids even see God in your life? Listen, your role as a parent is not just to dictate rules. It's just not to say, hey, you will be home at this time. You will do this. You will do that. No, no, no. Your role as a parent is to train up your children. You know how you do it? By making God number one in your life. No, no, no. Not just when you're at church. Not just when you're involved in ministry. Not just when you have all the eyes looking upon you. But when no one else is looking at you. When no one else sees what's going on. When no one else knows where you're at. Is God number one in your life? Is your relationship, your walk 
with God the number one priority in your life? Well, Brother Angie, that's kind of personal. Exactly. But your walk with God, listen, has a more profound impact on your kid's life than anything I say as their youth pastor or anything he says as their pastor. So Sunday morning, maybe 45 minutes in Sunday school, an hour maybe here in the morning service, hour on Sunday night, hour on Wednesday night, Thursday night could be 15 minutes, could be an hour at teen night. I mean, it just depends on if Brother Andrew's just preaching away or not. I mean, it just depends, right? So let's just say, for instance, your kid gets about four or five hours of preaching, teaching, whether it's from their youth pastor or their pastor every week. Who are they watching the rest of the week? Who are they hearing from the rest of the week? Who are they watching whether or not it's real in their life? It's you as the parent. We have a specific role that God has given us, and that role is this, to train up our children in the way they should go. Paul writes to the church at Philippi, chapter 4, of verse 9 of the book of Philippians. He said these words. He said, those things which ye have heard, both learned and received and heard, watch, and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. You see, Paul's example matched his instructions, and the Philippian church benefited greatly. So is our example tonight one of laziness, one of excuses? Is our example tonight one of serious living for God? Is our example tonight that, that it's not just, hey, do as I say, not as I do? In Proverbs chapter 23, verse number 26, Solomon would pen these words. He said, he pleaded with his son. He said, my son, give me thine heart. Let mine eyes, or sorry, let thine eyes observe my ways. Solomon desired to show his son what it meant to be a man of God. But unfortunately, Solomon was inconsistent in his example to his son. The Bible tells us, we know this, we study the life of Solomon, that later in life is, he got multiple wives and concubines that they turned his heart from God. And he started living for false gods, started living for idols. And it had a profound impact on his son Rehoboam. And Rehoboam eventually would reject much of his father's wisdom that was refined, refined recorded in the book of Proverbs. The need for consistency between words and examples cannot be underestimated. Verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Dads, how's your responsibility going? How are you training your kids? Well, you know, my kids, they're good kids. Okay, how are you training your kids? Well, you know, my kids, they, 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 they haven't done this or they haven't done that or, man, they did do this and then they got their hearts right and they confessed it. That's not what we're asking tonight. We're not asking about your kids. That's another week. Your kids are another week. Tonight it's about you and where you're at. Because losing your, listen, losing your kids, we can't point the finger at the public school or, or society or the church or anything. We've got to point the finger beginning with us. And us as parents, and especially as dads, as fathers, man, if we're not setting the right example, we're failing our kids. Now go over to Ephesians chapter number 6, the book of Ephesians chapter number 6. Listen, parents, we need to know our role tonight, but then secondly, parents, we've got to embrace the responsibility that God's given us. Look at Ephesians chapter number 6 and in verse number 4. Here's what God says. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, watch, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So if I was to ask you tonight, real quickly, give me, give, if I was to say, give me a list of responsibilities you have as a parent, what would be the top five in your list? Well, Brother Angel, let me give you a list. 
to love them. Man, that's a, that's a good responsibility. I, as their mom and dad, I need to love them. I'd hope you'd love them. <laughs> oh, Brother Andrew, you know, to, to, to provide for them, put clothes on their back. Man, that's, that's a good responsibility. Yeah, you're responsible. Okay, I, I got five kids. If you want to clothe one of them, I'll take your money. Man, I got to feed, feed them. I, I, I have a responsibility to feed them. Anybody with teenage boys, Brother John, you got a couple back there. Yeah, it's expensive. And those, listen, those are good responsibilities. But anywhere in our top five is the responsibility, do we write down, well, to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? That, did that thought even cross our mind that that's a responsibility that we're supposed to have? You see, parenting carries with it responsibility. But neglect the responsibility and significant damage is sure to follow. So in the text here in Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 4, as Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, he said this. He says, ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but now the flip side, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So the first responsibility that I have as a parent is that of nurture. Nurturing means this, speaks of training them, of discipline. See, above all, we must train our children in the way of the Lord. The primary Bible teacher for our children is not the pastor of our church. I'm going to say it again because I don't think we were like, that's kind of like wrong. No, no. The primary Bible teacher for your kids is not your pastor. It's not your youth pastor. It's not your junior church teacher. It's not your primary teacher. The primary Bible uh, teacher for your kids is you. You, the parent. You say, do you have a verse for that? Absolutely. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Verse number six through seven. Here's what God said. God would make this statement after giving the law. He'd give this statement to the nation of Israel. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Listen tonight, parents, if you think that you can bring your kids to, to Riverside Baptist Church and have them in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, youth night on Thursday night, special activities on Saturday, special revival meetings, camp, youth conferences, mission trips, you name it. If you think you can do that and your kids turn out okay, I hate to tell you, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. There has to be an investment that you and I make as parents outside these walls. But sad to say, many of us, we think just coming to church does the trick. We think just, you know, man, that was a good message, Pastor. Man, great message, Pastor. Woo, that was great. I'm not going to do anything you said, but man, that was a great message. Man, Brother Sam, man, he just, man, he lit it up, Brother Brett. Man, he, man, he, he was preaching and he was flinging his handkerchief. Woo, man, you see that old guy up there? Man, he, woo, that was great. Man, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. But I'm not going to do anything he says. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do things different. I'm not going to change. No, no, no. He says this. Look what he says in verse number four. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Well, how do I provoke not my children? Well, he gives us the answer. But bring them up in the nurture. The discipline. The structure. Listen, we're to train our kids through daily living. We're to train our kids through time. We're to train our kids through discipline. If we carry out biblically, moments of correction can become some of the greatest nurturing moments in a child's heart. Many parents veer too far to the opposite shoulders of the road when it comes to discipline. Can I, can I, can I say this? I, man, I, I grew up, I know this is on live stream right now, but man, I grew, I grew up getting spankings. I grew up getting spankings. 
So we, were, we lived in England in 1986 to 1989. And uh, I grew up playing baseball. We, I started playing baseball at four years old. So we're always playing baseball, two, three different seasons. That was just kind of my thing that we did with my dad. My dad was my coach most of my life until I got in high school. And so in England, you don't have baseball, Brother Marty. They don't have baseball. You know, it's like they have football, but it's not like they have like football. They don't have football. They don't even, they're like baseball. Like, what's that? What's baseball? And so over in England, they have this game called cricket. And cricket, don't tell me how to play it. I have no idea how to play it. The only reason why I know about cricket is because we moved to Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas in 1991 when we came back to the States. We still had some friends of ours that lived in England, and they sent us a cricket set. So imagine this. It's me, my four younger brothers, my baby, Miranda's real little. She had just gotten born after we moved in, and we're at base housing there in Nellis Air Force Base. My dad gets this package. We're out in the backyard. And he opens up this box, and in this box, it's this cricket set, and there's a letter from the Mullins that had sent it to us, and, hey, hope the boys enjoy this, blah, blah, blah. My dad pulls out a cricket bat. It's about this long and about that wide. And as he pulls the bat on out, he just had the Holy Spirit come upon him as a lost man. And this little thing, just the light bulb moment, Brother Brett, and he goes, I know what I'm going to make. So he goes in his shed, and he makes a paddle. Makes a paddle. About the same length and the same width as a cricket bat. I'll never forget it. Paddle's name was Mr. Wood. And to know that he loved us, he cut out three hearts in the paddle. So he could hang it up in the kitchen. You can ask my dad next time he's here. And I got many a spanking with that paddle. And I I probably should have gotten a lot more. Some of you are like, amen, preach that right there. (laughs) Listen, I I grew up getting spankings. Can I say this? I'm not offended at my mom and dad because they disciplined me. I'm not mad and I'm not upset. Listen, my dad, my dad's one of my best friends. He was the best man at our wedding. That's my dad. My dad's name, his signature is on my ordination certificate when I got ordained in the gospel ministry. To me, that's just, that's God. Go from a dad who was lost most of my life, didn't want to go to church, to my dad's signature being on my ordination certificate as the ordination council secretary. My dad's serving in church at at Lighthouse Baptist Church in Colorado Springs as a deacon, serving as, as, kind of like you, Brother Mike, just a right-hand man there to Brother Nathan Schultz. I'm not mad at my dad. I'm not drawing up papers to sue my dad and to go after him. No, no. Man, I'm thankful I got disciplined. We were in Colorado. We had a jail ministry. We had a program that we went in on Monday nights called Right Start, Right Step, and it was addictions-based kind of recovery program ministry. I remember talking to some of those inmates that were in this facility in this center. Man, how many stories I could tell of men that would say this. Man, I just wish my parents would have disciplined me growing up. I never would have made the mistakes I made. I never would have done the, the stupid things that I've done. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 17 tells us this, Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Listen, moms and dads, we have a responsibility to nurture, to discipline our kids. But then notice in verse number 4, again, the latter part there. Here's what the Bible says. That we're to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The second responsibility we have as parents is admonition. 
Admonition means this. It means calling attention to, to a mild rebuke or warning. You say, godless media litters society seeking to claim the hearts and the minds of our young people. Worldly philosophies assault the home. Worldly mindset infiltrates the, 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 the relationship between husband and wife, therefore affecting the relationship with the children. So let me ask you this question tonight. What hazards threaten your home? Most families, the greatest single influence in their home could be this, television or their cell phone. Far too many parents simply ignore the dangers jeopardizing the passengers of their home. And so they've kind of opened up their arms, if you would, and they've they've neglected on the responsibility. No, no, listen, we have a role, a defined role that God gives us to train up our children. But then at the same time, we have a responsibility. Well, Brother Andrew, you don't understand, like, man, if I really discipline my kids, man, something's going to... Something bad's going to happen. Like what? Like what? Well, Brother Andrew, if I tell my kids no, then something bad's going to happen. Like what? Man, Brother Andrew, if I don't let my kids do what they want to do, if, 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 if I give them the option, listen, if I, Brother Andrew, you don't understand, if I don't give them the option whether or not to come to church or not come to church, man, it's just going to be mass chaos in the home. At that point in your relationship as a parent with your child, the problem is not, listen, the problem is not that divisiveness in that question. The problem is this, you don't have your child's heart. Your child wants nothing to do with God, and can I dare say like this, because you and I have neglected our role, and therefore neglected our responsibility to bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Number three, parents, Not only do we have a defined role, not only do we have a responsibility, but parents, what we do is what we get. What we do is what we get. See, there's a simple little principle at play in all of our parenting efforts, and our children instinctively know this. How you live speaks louder and longer than what you say. Or this is a a phrase, actually, Pastor and I were talking about this yesterday. Actions speak louder than words. So, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road, if you would. Our model outweighs our mouth. You see, our parental authority is established upon our submission to the highest authority in our life, God. Let me say it again. Our parental authority is established upon our submission to the highest authority in our life, God. How you and I respond to our Heavenly Father comes right back at us from our kids. To the degree that you disobey and disregard your Heavenly Father... You legitimatize, you legitimatize your children's disobedience and disregard of you. If you live in disobedience, you discount your ability to expect obedience in your kids. Our children are commanded in Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now we have them dead to rights. That's the word of God. Man, Brother Andrew, man, they have to obey me because they're the child and I'm the adult. Let me ask you this. Who really is the kid in the relationship? Who really is the child in the relationship? Where's Levi? Levi, you awake? Come here, Levi. Quickly, Levi. Levi's five years old. He's a child. Okay? He has a responsibility to me as his dad to obey me, to honor me. Right? Listen, Levi doesn't get the option. Levi, time to go to bed. Or if you don't want to go to bed, you can stay up and eat cookies all night. Don't get any ideas. No, no. Levi doesn't get the option. Here's here's Levi's option. Either obey or be disciplined. Obey or be disciplined, right? Now listen, as a parent and as a father, that is my responsibility. That is my role. 
Levi's responsibility and his role is to obey his father. Everybody agree, everybody agree to that tonight? I mean, it's just kind of basic Bible. Well, Brother Andrew, you know, look at Levi. He's so cute. Man, he's five years old. Surely he knows what he wants in life. Do you know what you want to do in life? No, you don't. Oh, his responsibility is to obey me. And so here's our mindset sometimes in raising kids and in parenting. Listen, I'm the adult. I'm the parent. You have to obey me. Ephesians 6.1. Ah, gotcha. But the problem is, is that there's another person in this relationship right here that we often overlook, and that's him. And here's what we want. Parents, look over here. Here's what we want. We want him to obey him, but we don't want to obey him. And so the problem, here's where the problem lies in raising kids. We have an expectation for a five-year-old, but yet we have no expectation for ourselves as a grown adult. I'm kind of thinking here for a second that when we go to God in prayer, a lot of times we start out our prayer like this. Father, thank you for today. Lord, Master, Abba, Father. No, no, we respond to God as if we're the child and he's the father. But yet when God tells us something specific from the word of God, we're like, I I can't do that. But yet we expect a five-year-old to obey everything we say. Have a seat, buddy. Thanks. Our misconception in raising our kids is that we would expect something out of our children that, listen, we're not willing to expect out of ourselves when it comes to our relationship with God. You say, Brother Andrew, can you give me an example? Absolutely. This last week we had a revival of Brother Sam Davison. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, or sorry, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Man, great preaching all week long. Specific preaching, prophet preaching all week long. You say, what's prophet preaching? Preaching you don't like. That's what prophet preaching is. Prophet preaching is in your face, rip your face off, step on your toes, just totally throw everything in for a loop, and you have one thing to do, respond. That's the type of preaching we had this last week. Yet in that type of preaching, there were some of us, I'm not doing it, Pastor. Brother Sam, I know you're old, and I know you're throwing your hanky, doing all that kind of stuff, but man, Brother Sam... I'm not moving. I'm not moving. Man, Brother Sam, I'm, I'm not going to change how I think. Man, I'm not going to get right with my brother or sister in Christ. Man, I have ought with my husband. I have ought with my, with my spouse. Man, I have the sin in my life and I'm not willing to give up. Man, I'm not willing to live a separated, holy life. Man, preacher's preaching about that on Wednesday night. How dare he step on my toes? Levi, go to bed. You better obey me. I'm your dad. That's where we're at. So we neglect our role. We neglect our responsibilities. But ready? We don't practice, listen, what is preached. We want God to work in our kid's life. I would dare say there is not a parent in the auditorium tonight who would be willing to stand up and in front of their kids say this, I really hope my kids run from God. I'm looking over here, Brother Nathan and Miss Sarah. Man, Elijah and Peter. I, I, I don't think Brother Nathan and Miss Sarah would stand up and say, man, I, I, my prayer is that Elijah would run from God. That's not his prayer. That's not his desire. I look back at Miss Heather. Miss Heather, man, to, to Megan and Haley, I'm sure her prayer is not, Lord, I want my girls to run from you. That's not her prayer. That's not her desire. 
Listen, I look at my five kids that God's, my prayer, my desire is not that they run from God. But why? Why would I expect them to honor, obey, and live for the Lord, but me, myself, not? Listen, that is the challenge. We're losing our kids, and we don't know why. Here's the reason why. Because God is losing us. Because when it comes down to the nitty-gritty and the altar's open, God forbid we come forward. When our kids call, listen, when our kids call us out for the sin that's in our life, well, man, that's what I, man, I, we come to church, listen, I, we come to church and our kids sit in youth class and got a frown on their face and a scowl on their face. We come into the Sunday morning service and it's time to take a hymnal and open it up and we're like, We have that type of mindset, that type of mentality. You know where that comes from? It comes from us as parents. When we're not humble enough to go, God, <laughs> man, if I'm going to expect it out of my kids, I need to expect it out of myself. If we're not careful tonight, moms and dads, adults, parents, we, we listen, we know our role, man, we know our responsibility, but yet we won't practice what is preached. We want our kids to do it. Man, bless God, we want our kids to obey us. We want our kids to turn out right. We want our kids to do the right things, but we ourselves, Brother Angel, get I'm at a different level. Can I just say it like this? It creates confusion within these young people. I'm going to say it again. It creates confusion within these young people. When you and I, you say, well, that, that's not the case, Brother Andrew. Listen, I've seen it enough. It creates confusion within these young people. Why, Brother Andrew? Because they see a pastor and they see a youth pastor who have a desire that they would follow God. Listen, and when they go home, they don't see it at home. And I'm preaching to myself because I'm not exempt from this. My kids can testify. My, my dad ain't perfect. I'm not. I make mistakes all the time. But I, listen, I can't expect something out of my kids that I won't first expect out of myself. I can't hold a standard and hold a line, if you would, with my kids and not hold the same standard in line with myself. It's not, it's not right. Listen, uh, how we respond to our Heavenly Father comes right back at us. For teenagers, what you and I do is king. Listen, here's how they think. Don't tell me, show me. Don't demand it, display it. Don't push me, lead me. Here's what they're going to ask. Is this God thing real to mom and dad? Because it sure don't look like it. Listen, son, daughter, man, Levi... I want you to love the Lord. I want, you to, I want you to live for God. Well, Dad, how come we don't go to church on Sunday night? How come we don't go to church on Wednesday night? How come, how come you're never at the altar? How, 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 come you're, how come you never, listen, how come you never pray with us? How come you never talk about the Lord with us? How come you never show up at church when there's extra, when there's work that needs to be done? How, how, come it, how come you're with your buddies and your friends and they got filthy language and they're doing things you shouldn't do? How come we, how come we miss church all the time? I mean, if you say you love God, parents, are we practicing what we preach? Pastor Bobby Mitchell of Midcoast Baptist Church in Brunswick, Maine, made this statement. He said, many grow up in homes that are plagued with inconsistency. The standards change based on who the family is around. Discipline is not consistent. There is an open or even silent disagreement with what is taught by the church concerning entertainment, dress, 
roles in the home, etc. And the inconsistency relates to young people that the parents are not really set on doing things the biblical way. They become unstable and are easy prey for the world. As parents, we must realize the seriousness of our behavior and our actions before we can expect our children to learn. However, we become offended and defensive when somebody questions our parenting tactics. We become critical of others when there's no guarantee our own children will turn out right. And we've chosen to live by pride rather than humility. I've got a quote here I'm going to read from a young lady who grew up in a Christian home, not in our church, but in a church very much like ours. She said, the parents in the home need to be setting the standards. And what is said in church should only be confirmation to the hearts of the children that what their parents are teaching them is right. However, parents sadly tend to become frustrated with their erring children, believing the church has failed them when in truth they did not guard their children's hearts and nurture them at home. So the words they would hear at church become increasingly foreign to their carnal ears. Eventually there was nothing left to draw them back to the house of God because all their interests were in the things of the world. I witnessed many of my friends drift away with the tide of worldliness and vanity. If it was not for the grace of God, I would be right there with them. I believe a greater emphasis on personal holiness and sanctification is needed for the home today. I believe a greater emphasis on personal holiness and sanctification is needed for the home today. I believe a greater emphasis on personal holiness and sanctification is needed for the home today. She only said it once, but I read it three times. Satan is greatly attacking this precious haven. And it is time for us to pray for revival of purity, consistency, and true love for God. For the parents, the important thing is their personal walk with God. Children are going to see our imperfections, our inconsistencies. But by the same token, if the children see that, they are, that we are trying, they respect someone who is making the effort to walk with God. The parents need to be faithful in all things. When these kids see mom and dad laying out on a Sunday and on a Wednesday, going fishing or to the beach or working or various other reasons why, they don't see the importance of faithfulness. They don't see the importance of God in their life. I'm losing my kids and I don't know it. Where, Brother Andrew, do I I begin to lose my kids? It begins with you and me, the parent. Because we don't understand and know our role, we don't embrace our responsibility, and we're not willing to practice what is preached. A good friend of mine that's in ministry, he pastors a church out on the East Coast. Years ago, he had an older daughter, and she went wayward. And I remember calling him up, and I said, hey brother, can I, I was preparing this series in Colorado, I said, hey brother, can I, can I talk to you about this? I don't want to be mean, I don't want to be... Uh, uh, if you don't want to talk about it, I, I, that's perfectly fine. He said, no, I'll, Brother Andrew, I'll, I'll gladly talk to you about it. There's a guy who had been an assistant pastor at a church for close to 20 years. A very great guy, one of my best friends in the ministry. He had a teenage daughter that went wayward. And I asked him, I said, what, what took place in her life, in her life, that led her away? And he said this. He said, when church became mundane, now this is an assistant pastor at a church, listen, when church became mundane, because it became mundane to her mom and I. Now listen, if an assistant pastor for 20 years at a good, solid Baptist church, his daughter could go wayward, any one of these kids could go wayward. And here's what he said. I, 
It's in my notes. He said this. He goes, man, here's how my prayer has changed. They had, they had, I think it was six kids. She was the oldest. He said, here's how my prayer has changed with my other kids. Lord, would you keep me humble? And Lord, would you show me my kid's sin so I can confront it? Because here's what he said. She was living in sin. I knew it. I saw it. But I didn't confront it. That was about six years ago. As of tonight, she's still running from God. Folks, there's no guarantee that your kids will turn out right. But can I just say this? If you and I don't know our role, don't embrace the responsibility, and don't practice what is, what is preached from the Word of God, there is a guarantee we're going to mess our kids up. We're going to mess our kids up. And I don't want to get too personal time. Man, i got to finish up. And I say this with all respect, but some of our older saints tonight could give testimony of mistakes they've made in raising their kids. And their kids right now that are my age or younger or older, running from God, not in church. And listen, they grew up in church. They were involved in Christian school, involved in youth group, going on mission trips, went to Bible college, you name it. But they're nowhere to be found in the house of God. Listen, that is a burden on their heart. So for us young parents tonight, us parents that have teenagers, that have young kids, that we're still raising them, we still have that responsibility, let's take heed tonight to know our role. Listen, to know the role we have as an authority in our children's life. Not just as an authority to say, hey, this is what time you go to bed, this is what time you... No, no, an authority. But also not just as an authority, but as a spiritual leader in our kid's life. To embrace the responsibility to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But listen, probably most importantly tonight, to practice what is preached from the Word of God. Don't just preach it, live it. Father, thank you for tonight, Lord, the privilege and the opportunity we have to be in your house Lord, we want to thank you tonight for the Word of God, and we know tonight that we're not perfect. Lord, there's not a perfect parent in this auditorium. There's not a perfect child. There's not a perfect teenager. There's not a perfect marriage. There's not a perfect anything. Lord, we're just sinners saved by grace. Lord, we're just people that are struggling. Lord, we, Lord, we all have our good days and our bad days. Lord, we have issues with our children when it comes to authority, when it comes to rebellion, when it comes to just living for God. But Father, I pray tonight that as the adults, as parents tonight, as mainly the message was geared toward the parents tonight, that we would take our responsibility seriously. That we wouldn't just go through the motions of, hey, listen, I'm the parent, you're going to do as I say. But that we would seriously consider the responsibility we have from heaven. Lord, there's young men, there's young ladies in this auditorium tonight that have made decisions in their life that totally go contrary to the Word of God. And while it breaks our heart, Lord, while it just it grieves us inside of our spirit, Lord, as parents, we have a responsibility to step up to the plate. We have a responsibility to, if you would, grab the bull by the horns, get serious about our walk and our relationship with God. Lord, I pray tonight that whatever needs to be dealt with, whatever needs to be taken care of, Lord, maybe there's some husbands and wives that need to just turn to the altar tonight and and, and Lord, just take some things to the throne of grace. Lord, maybe there's a husband or a father tonight that has recognized that they're falling short in their responsibility as a dad. 
Or maybe tonight there's a mom that just that hasn't, hasn't been supportive and hasn't been what she ought to be. Not just for her husband, but for her kids. Maybe tonight, Lord, there's some young people. Maybe they've been looking at their mom and dad and looking at their mom and dad with just ought, frustration, anger, hatred maybe even. Just, just distrust. Because their mom and dad is, they're, they're trying to raise them the right way. They're trying to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But there's so much tension and frustration. God, whatever it is tonight that you need to speak to our heart, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our heart. I pray that we'd be willing, Lord, just to lay it all at the altar. As we stand tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed, the piano's going to play. As God's spoken to your heart tonight, uh, you just respond to how God's spoken.